KUOZ 100.5 is an FCC-licensed radio station operated by the University of the Ozarks, Clarksville, Arkansas. Hello, and thank you for tuning in. You are listening to From the Concert Hall with your hosts Corbin Sturch and Zachary Payne. Your vintage radio program here on KUOZ 100.5 FM. Community radio produced by the Radio Television Video Department here at University of the Ozarks in Clarksville, Arkansas. From the concert hall plays some of the famous artists of the past, as well as features a few of our very own from right here at home. So sit back, relax, and enjoy as we take you live right here to our very own little concert hall. Thank you for tuning in to From the Concert Hall. I'm Zachary Payne. And I'm Corbin Sturch. Just a word before we start tonight, the Clarksville community is going to be having an arts festival April 20th. That might be something to mark your calendars about coming up soon. We'll have more information on this event coming up in the next show. But, Zach, could you please introduce us to the topic tonight? Absolutely. Uh, Tonight we'll actually be talking about a pretty popular uh, composer, Johann Sebastian Bach. Um... Bach was a German composer and musician of the Baroque period. He enriched established German styles through his skills in counterpoint, harmonic, and motivic organization. And the adaptive the adaptation of, of rhythms, forms, and textures from abroad, particularly in Italy and France. Bach's compositions include the Brandenburg uh, Concertos, uh, the Goldberg Variations, and the Mass in B minor Two passions and over 300 sacred cantatas, which 900, 190 of those 300 still survive and are known of today. His music is revered for its technical command, artistic beauty, and, in te- and te- intellectual depth. Sorry, can't talk tonight, apparently. <laughs> it's been a busy week with midterms. I think anyone listening out there would really understand. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> so, Bach was born in Eisnach, which... And he was born into a great musical family. His father, Johann Ambrosius Bach, was the director of the town musicians. You know, at the time, in the towns of Germany, the towns would pay musicians to perform town groups of musicians so they could have little, almost kind of miniature orchestras and chamber groups for events. Now... With his father being the director of town musicians, all of his uncles were also professional musicians. His father actually probably taught him to play the violin and harpsichord. And we know that his brother, Johann Christoph Bach, taught him the clavichord and exposed him to much of the contemporary music of the time. And then apparently out of his own initiative, Bach attended the St. Michael School in Lutenburg. I'm sorry, Lunenburg for two years. And after graduating, he held several musical positions across Germany. Uh, he served as the Koppelmeister, which is the director of music, to Leopold, which was the prince of... Uh, I'm not uh, Colton. Yeah, thank you. I was about to really struggle with that word. <laughs> uh, he was the cantor of Thomas Moscule in Lispeg, and the royal court composer to Augustus, Augustus III. Sorry. Um, inevitably, Bach's health and vision declined in 1749, and he died on the 28th of July in 1715. So modern historians believe that his death was actually caused by a combination of a stroke and pneumonia. 
That was not a painless death, it no. sounds like. No, it actually sounds really hard to deal with. Mm-hmm. But before, you know, he passed, he definitely lived quite the life. Came up with very many different compositions. Um, Bach's abilities as an organist, in fact, were respected throughout Europe during his lifetime. Although he was not widely recognized as a great composer until a revival of interest and performances of music in the uh, first half of the 19th century, he is now generally regarded as one of the greatest composers of all time. Right. Which is why everyone knows Bach. I think anyone who's ever studied music can well they really can't get through a class of music at some point without hearing the name Bach. Absolutely. And I know whenever people th- think of Halloween or Phantom of the Opera they think of his well what has become one of his more famous compositions the Toccata and Fugue in D minor for the organ that da 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 dun dun. Yeah. yeah that really famous one. Of course <laughs> we know Dr. Gorman always opens up the Halloween concert with it. People people call it the Phantom of the Opera piece but really it is that Toccata and Fugue in D minor. It's a good piece. You can't argue that. Not at all. And speaking of good pieces, tonight we're actually going to be looking at one of his more famous compositions, or set of compositions, the Brandenburg Concertos. Uh, he probably wrote these... Oh, I'm sorry. He probably wrote these around 1721, though it may have been composed earlier, and they are widely regarded as some of the best orchestral compositions of the Baroque era. I mean, it was Bach, of course, is going to be considered as some of the best... Well, I mean, we got to remember, he was respected in his time for his skills as an organist, but like you said, his music wasn't particularly what made him famous at the time. It was his ability to play. That's true. What is that story that um, his friend really wanted to test his sight-reading ability? And so he wrote this complex piece, and Fox playing with both feet and both hands, and he picks up a quill and puts it in his mouth to play notes that were written. Wow. He could sight-read so well, alleg- allegedly. Wow, that's pretty interesting. Isn't it, though? I mean, the man definitely had skill, but coming from a background like he did, it makes sense that he did. Right. So, Zach, do you care to tell us a bit about the first concerto that we're going to be hearing tonight, um, the Brandenburg Concerto Number 1? Absolutely. But first, can I just go back and mention that middle name of his father, Johann Ambrosius Bach? That middle name is phenomenal. It, it is. <laughs> I, I agree. I like the name myself. It's very typical of the Baroque era, something like that. So, anyway, uh, number one uh, in F uh, major. This one uh, is a great piece. It's about 20 minutes long or so, uh, inside its full form. Uh, it begins with a allegro, or allegro moderato, moderato, sorry, um, Italian, midterms. Forgive me. Um, <laughs> so... What that means for our uh, people out there who are listening who aren't uh, as inclined with music, um, Allegro is typically just a faster-paced tempo, while Allegro Moderato is uh, moderately fast, so it's not going to be super fast, but it's going to be something in between. That's typically what it is. There's no actual tempo marking for this piece for the beginning of it. However, then it goes into an uh, Adagio, which is something that's going to do. It's going to slow down a little bit, and it's going to go back to its Allegro, where it will speed back up to a full Allegro, so it'll be a faster piece inside the point. Inside the point. And then we'll get to a minuet trio, minuet de capo, palaca, minuet de capo, trio, and back to minuet de capo. This is uh, typical of the, uh, this style, and um, that it would repeat itself, you know, go back, then forward, back, forward. Right. You know, that was very typical of how music was written, and uh, a lot of how music is still written today, inside that same form. Um, a lot of the instruments that we're going to hear inside this piece, uh, we're going to... 
here uh, natural horns, three oboes, bassoon, violin, piccolo, you know, uh, or sorry, correction, violino, piccolo, violins, viola, cello, uh, basso continuo. And so we're going to have quite a lot of string instruments inside this one, you know, a good variety. And so it's a really great piece, written very well. And just overall, it's good. Um, it was uh, it was a collection. It was this one was actually a collection of four movements. Um, it, an earlier version, which does not use the uh, violin of piccolo, may have been used for the opening uh, of the cantata Wasmir Bach, uh, Isner die Mönchjad. Sorry, German. Not very good with it. Which was the first, uh, which was first performed in 1713. The version lacks the third movement entirely, and the uh, polaka from the final movement, uh, leaving uh, minuet trio one, and then minuet trio two, minuet. And so, I know a lot of that might have been gibberish for all of you out there, but as you hear it, you'll kind of understand what I'm talking about. As it goes, you'll hit one part; it'll be section A, B, A. C back to A and then an A B section where it kind of mixes it all together. So that's a typical style of writing inside this period. Right. Now, I mean, just to reinforce that, it is the only concerto within this set of six concertos that has the four movements. And one instrument that we forgot to list was the harpsichord. This concerto will play a lot with the harpsichord, and you'll definitely hear it in it. It's this lovely Flemish harpsichord. Now, it is the longest concerto of the six, and so we're going to ask that you stick with us. We're going to play the entire concerto so you can really feel like you're in that moment. Now, this was performed by um, the um, Ars Rendiviva Ensemble, as conducted by Milan Munklinger. Uh, that would be a German group, I do believe, I think is what my notes had. Let me just check that. Yes. And I want to say this was recorded right around the 70s. So this isn't a very old recording. It's a relatively new, newer recording for LPs, at least. Mm-hmm. Being that, what, earlier on the show, we had one from 1930s? Yeah, yeah, that Thir- had coming off. It was 39, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yeah, so, I mean, that was, uh, I don't know, I can't math. It's the end of the week, day before spring break. Not today. <laughs> I want to say that's... Uh, Close Later to 20s, 40, about 30, 40 years there, maybe. 30, 40 years apart. I was talking about up to date. I mean, oh, well, 1939, okay. that was uh, getting close to, let's see, 80 years ago. It's just short of 80 years, so 76 years ago. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's pretty old. But, I mean, this is one of the newer LPs we have, and it's a great recording. It re- You can really hear the instruments distinctively in this, and I think once the people hear church number one, they're going to recognize it. I think anyone who's ever listened to Baroque music, at least Baroque orchestral music or chamber music, might recognize the melody in this. It's very typical, and it carries a lot through the concertos, or at least variations on this melody do. And also anyone who's studied Bach at all will, uh, will recognize it pretty quickly. Right. So here it is, the Brandenburg Concerto number one by Bach.
KUOZ 100.5 is an FCC-licensed radio station operated by the University of the Ozarks, Clarksville, Arkansas. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to From the Concert Hall here on KUOZ 100.5 FM, community radio from University of the Ozarks here in Clarksville, Arkansas. Welcome back to From the Concert Hall. I'm Zachary Payne. And I'm Corbin Sturge. If you're just now joining us, we've been talking about Johann Sebastian Bach and listening to his Brandenburg Concerto. So the one that you just heard was Brandenburg Concerto number one in F major. And now we, we will be moving on to Brandenburg Concerto number three. Corbin, will you tell us a little bit about that? Certainly. The title on the actual autograph score that Bach wrote is Concerto number three, Viole tre viola, tre violoncelli, um, it's three movements. The first one, which is without a tempo indication, we assume like the last one is either an allegro or an allegro moderato. Uh, the second movement, which is the adagio, and the third, which is the allegro. This is written for three violins, three violas, three cellos, and the basso continuo. And in this case, we also have the harpsichord taking and helping the basso continuo. The... Um, Concerto number three, excuse me, sorry. I had to think for a second. Last about ten minutes. The second movement of the concerto consists of a single measure with two chords that make up a Pythagorean half cadence. And although there's no direct evidence to support it, it is likely that these two chords are meant to surround or follow a cadenza improvised by a harpsichord or violin player. Modern performers um, approach from um, a range of uh, simply playing the cadence with minimal ornamentation, or treating it as sort of a a, uh, musical semicolon, so to speak, or inserting movements from other works to the cadenzas varying in length from under a minute to over two minutes in length. Uh, Occasionally, the third movement from Bach's sonata for violin and continuo in G uh, which it's, B- it's BWV number 1021, also marked Largo, is substituted for the second movement as it contains an identical Pythagorean cadence as the closing chords. The Largo from the Violin Sonata in G has also been used. Um, it, ha- it has a flourish of different notes, but still would fit within the pattern. The outer movements use... The Vitorinello form found in many instrumental and vocal works of the time. The first movement can also be found in reworked form as the Symphonia of the Cantata Eclibi um, Ben. Oh, here we go with that German. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, do you want to help me out here with this word? You are much better at German than I am. Absolutely. Ich liebe don Hochsten von Gazem Gumut. Thank you so very much. I, you know, everyone listening, they have figured out by now it's just the end of midterms week and we're fried. (laughs) (laughs) Trying our very best. Yeah, German is somewhere on that list. (laughs) But that's that's BWV number 174 with the addition of three oboes and two horns. One special note I would like to make on the performance before we play it for you. Um, Milan... Munklinger, the artistic director of this orchestra ensemble that's been playing tonight, the um, Ars Rediviva ensemble, was a pupil of the late Vaclav Talish, 
and he was he has dedicated much of his life to the study and interpretation of Baroque and classical music. And in addition to his work as a conductor, he is a virtuoso flautist and the author and lecturer on early music. And for this particular recording, which follows Bach's autographic score, the actual score he wrote, other specialists were brought in for the performance on instruments that were of the period. So it's performed by instruments that are historical or model historical instruments of the time. So we hear it as others would have heard it back then. That's awesome. Isn't it, though? Oh, and before we go, I just have to say, I loved that musical semicolon little note there. Yeah. Next time that I make a mistake in choir and someone asks me, what was that? Uh, musical semicolon. (laughs) I'm just going to use that. I'm going to try and incorporate that into my everyday life now. Yes. So here it is, Bach's Brandenburg Concerto number three.
KUOZ 100.5 is an FCC-licensed radio station operated by the University of the Ozarks, Clarksville, Arkansas. Thank you for tuning in. You are listening to From the Concert Hall here on KUOZ 100.5 FM, community radio from University of the Ozarks here in Clarksville, Arkansas. Welcome back to From the Concert Hall. I'm Zachary Payne. And I'm Corbin Sturch. If you're just now joining us, unfortunately you missed our show. However, we will be back again Tuesday, continuing on our topic from tonight, which was Johann Sebastian Bach. If you uh, caught us right there at the end, you were listening to the Brandenburg Concerto Number no. 3. Uh, excellent pieces of work, um, phenomenal compo- done by a phenomenal composer, Johann Sebastian Bach. And like I said, Tuesday... 9 to 10, we'll be continuing on this topic. A few closing announcements before we go. I would like to extend an invitation to our community. Um, Anyone out there who is a musician, artist, uh, songwriter, anything out there uh, dealing with the uh, fine arts, please get in contact with us if you want to come on the show. We welcome all types, and uh, we'd love to have you on here. Just get in contact with us, send us some information. We'll see what we can do about getting you on the air. Uh, Talk a little bit about what you're doing, what you've done, where you come from, that kind of stuff. And also, another thing we're reaching out for the community, right now we are we are currently accepting sponsors. And so if there are any small businesses out there or big businesses that have been listening to our show and enjoy it, please let us know that you want to sponsor us. Uh, that helps us get big names from uh, outside, the, uh, outside the state to come in and for our show. So if you've heard some, uh, some names tossed around that have been from outside of the state, um, it's easier for us to bring those people in uh, with our sponsors. And so if you would like to sponsor us, we would love it. Get in contact with us. Right. You know, speaking on that topic of big names, I'd just like to kind of give a little glimpse into our April lineup of guests we've got coming on. I think the community might be interested to know who we've got coming on here in April. So at the beginning of the month, we've got Dr. Greta Marlowe coming on to talk about some of the books she's written. I know she's a really popular artist locally. I think she's even written a textbook, I was told earlier. If she hasn't written one, she's definitely helped edit one. Yes. Then on the 9th, we've got um, folk artist Daniel Martin Moore coming on. University of the Ozarks is going to be his first stop after his tour. He's finishing up in Europe right now. So it's going to be a very exciting thing to have him in the studio that week. Absolutely. We're very much so looking forward to it. Right. The week after that, we've got my old teacher. And one of the organists right now at the South Bank Center in London and the former organist at Canterbury Cathedral, Weston Jennings, coming on the week after that. Following him, we will have a local folk and country artist, Mr. Kevin Riles, coming on. And then to cap off the month... We've got Dr. Rhonda Shook coming on to talk about her work in theater and film. We've got an exciting month. Lots of big names. Lots of great people coming into the show. And you could be one of those great people. Just get in contact with us. We'd love to have you on the show. Right. If you want to reach us, you can find us online at facebook.com forward slash from the concert hall. Or on Twitter at FTCH underscore KUOZ. Also on Instagram at KUOZ concert hall. And then finally, of course, through the nice standard old email system from the concert hall radio at gmail.com. Let us know. Here, let's, we'd love to hear back from you about each of the shows, what you think, some suggestions for topics for future shows. We get a lot of responses each week, and I, we really want to thank you for those. It helps us move forward. Absolutely. And feel free, anytime, tweet us. 
Facebook message us, email us, Instagram us, show us, show us a picture of your guitar, piano, something like that. Let us know that you're enjoying the show so that way we can do more to keep you enjoying it. Exactly. And remember, it's okay to tell on your friend if they're a musician. If you they're can... not brave enough, be brave for them. Yes. We would love to get in contact with them and bring them on. Now, to play us out into the night and remind us of our lovely Lenten promises, what little bit is left in Lent. We've got Holy Week coming up right after spring break. Can you believe that? Two weeks. It's been tough. It's been tough. Uh, no coffee, no pizza for me. It's It's been hard. I've been going without sweets, and let me tell you, that was hard because oh, my organization, Omega New and Ozarks and Math- Mathematical Society here on campus, we were doing a pie week sale, and so I was making and selling pies all week that I couldn't have. Yeah, those were some great pies. I'm just going to tell you, I've had, I helped bake some of those, as you know, and that great pies. And I know y'all do a lot of great work there. It was great to see the new twist on Pie Week. You know, people always do things with pies, but a pie fight in the middle of campus, that was, that was great. Thank you for Pie Week. We tried to please. It was a great week. And it's been a great week. And. We won't be with you next week because of spring break, but plan on us coming right back after that. So please enjoy, and have a great night as always, and a safe weekend, as we play you out with Obaneyezu by Marco Ingarini. <laughs>